You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. I want to start off by reminding everyone that the second part of yesterday's uh, podcast will be in the second part of today's show. I will finish up that Lynchburg list. But before we get into any talk today, I have to give a shout out and thank you to Postmates, one of the sponsors of today's show. Postmates gets you what you want it, when you want it, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. If it's some Tylenol because you're not feeling well, if it's a uh, one in the morning burrito, you can get it on Postmates. You're going to download the app and you're going to use the promo code Locked On, and from that you'll be able to get uh, $100 of credit over the first seven days of usage so remember that's the you're going to download the app and use the promo code locked on they get you what you want when you want it this is your chance to not put on pants and get taco bell delivered to your house so let's talk about the postseason um the the ds's are over the division series and let's talk about some former indians and just some overall things how about the fact that the Twins just what I think I saw that you know it's 15 in a row they've lost 12 of those against the Yankees like they can't win one game. The Yankees are an interesting team if you're an Indians fan. Um, CC Sabathia wasn't on roster for them, but he's a former Indian. Two guys on roster though who were Indians uh, were Giovanni Urshela who played an important role for them all year, and then Cameron Maben. Cameron Rabin is one of those guys that, to me, that's that's the real miss by the Indians this year. They were trying out so many players in the outfield. We had so many rejects out there, so many guys, so many failed vets. Um, it was painful to watch, and the Indians literally sell off Cameron Rabin. Now, he's interesting from the perspective that the Indians tried every washed-up vet but him before... Uh, selling off Maven to the Yankees. He was purchased, um, let's pull up the exact information on here, April 25th, 2019. This is, you know, we're talking Cargo, we're talking Hanley, we're talking Brad Miller, every washed-up vet but Maven. And Maven wasn't necessarily a washed-up vet at this point. Uh, I mean, he clearly wasn't with his performance, but if you just look at his war data, um, 2018, uh, it's a 1.2. 2017, 1.7. 2016, 1.9. Like, he'd actually been in one of his better stretches, honestly, of his career over the last few years. He can't get a contract because he closes out pretty poorly with Seattle. Doesn't offer them much. Uh, the Indians, instead of trying him, sell him off. And he ends up being a 1.5 war player almost entirely offensively for the Yankees this year. In 82 games, he had 285 with uh, 11 home runs, a career high, just the third time he's hit double digits, 858 OPS, career high, 127 OPS plus. He offensively would have been the Indians' best outfielder. But instead, the Yankees were the ones who ended up benefiting. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying the Indians are cheap. I don't want anyone to put those words in my mouth. Um, the frustration isn't that they sold him off. I'm always fine for selling washed-up veterans who were stuck down in AAA. Problem was, Maven wasn't washed up, and, uh, you know, he's one of those guys who was a big part of the Yankees' success. Over in the Cardinals-Braves series, um, kind of crazy with the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals had a worse record than the Indians 
and they're now advancing to the NLCS. Um, it's hard to think about how much better they'd be if they hadn't given away um, Tommy Fan for nothing. Uh, not a lot of uh, Indians connections there on the Brave side of things. Josh Donaldson uh, stunk it up this postseason. <laughs> he was very good during the regular season. He is on a one-year contract. So I believe, though, he can still be offered arbitration. Uh, an important part of the Braves this year, though, ended up being Josh Tomlin. And he was useful for them out of the pen. Stayed useful, stayed productive. Um, I did certainly did not think he had anything left. But he proved me and many others wrong. Gave the Braves 79 innings out of the pen. Uh, yeah, I mean... I think he even saved a game or two in there. So he'll be back next year uh, with the Braves, I'm sure, after how successful he was able to be for them. Nationals-Dodgers, well, I mean, the Dodgers coach, who had one of the worst postseason brain parts I've seen recently, was a you know former Indian and Dave Roberts. The rest of that team, though, you look through, it's the the, the Dodgers and the, uh, the Indians, well, they've made really interesting theoretical trade partners. They just haven't done anything as of now, so there has been no trade. The Nationals, who are also advancing to the NLCS, had the best record, or best, had the same record as the Cleveland Indians, even though they swept the Indians down the stretch. It was just enough to tie them. They've got a pair of uh, former Indians and two players I've uh, really come to appreciate now that they've left Cleveland. One is Estrubal Cabrera, who's a player that, if you remember earlier in the season, I wanted the Indians to go out and trade away from Texas. Um, Fun numbers for Cabrera this year. Uh, he ended up with 18 home runs, uh, bouncing between teams, a 342 on base, 442 slugging. He's an above-average player. Um, one can make a solid case he would have been more efficient, offensively efficient than uh, Jason Kipnis was, and especially earlier in the year with all their injuries, and then later in the year with all their injuries. You know How much nicer would it have been to have Estrubal Cabrera in there down the stretch? Um than it was having Ryan Flattery. Like, it, it, the upgrade due to injuries at the beginning and end of the season would have been huge for the Indians. So it is it is kind of a shame that uh, he did not make a return home, especially because I believe the Rangers just cut him. So he was uh, he was signed to a minor, you know, a, a contract with the Nationals. Anyone could have had him. And then Jan Gomes. The Indians kind of smartly moved on from Jan Gomes this year. If you weren't paying attention, he had he only played in 97 games. Uh, he was an okay offensive catcher, had 12 home runs, uh, 704 OPS, 316 on base, 39 slugging. For a catcher, that's not bad, but he was a strict platoon guy for them. And uh, you know, Daniel Johnson looks very good. So I love Jan. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the minor leagues. But uh, in this case, the Indians clearly made the right decision. So that then moves us to the last team. Let's talk about these Rays and these Astros. Michael Brantley had a big game in uh, Game 5 tonight. He has been one of their best hitters this year. He's an MVP candidate. I was uh, I was wrong on him. Okay, So my general view was that he really faded at the end of last year. This is a guy who's had multiple serious injuries, and I thought it would be hard for him to sustain his production. He uh, clearly disagreed with me and had a great year. Uh, so uh, he sustained the whole year and showed that uh, he might be, you know, finally healthy. I don't know how long he'll sustain that because of his age, but uh, especially with the team that there's some talk that might try to move George Springer this offseason. 
Um, Brantley's an important piece for them. On the Rays side of things, uh, Joey Wendell started third in the all-important game five. Didn't do much for them. He's had some uh, up-and-down performances throughout the season. Uh, even once he got healthy, he just was not performing. Yandy Diaz was an important piece, but also struggled to stay healthy at various points um, in the postseason for the... just in the season for the Rays. Um, and, you know, that's... I, he was a little dinged up in this series. But, uh, yeah, great performance by the Rays. I mean... Houston are the favorites, and the Rays took them as deep as they did. Just kind of says something about uh, how well that team is built. Um, I think top to bottom, I prefer the Rays roster to the Yankees. So we'll see how this series goes. I'm, I'm doubtful that the Astros are going to get too pushed by the Yankees. They just don't don't trust a lot of the lineup. Don't trust a lot of the components there. Um, but we'll see. I've been very wrong this year, so be prepared for the Yankees to make the World Series, I guess. Our postseason is brought to you by Vivid Seats, and they are never wrong. They are the loyalty reward program that allows you... They have the only loyalty rewards program when you're out there looking to buy tickets for your favorite event. Uh, it doesn't matter what the event is, Vivid Seats is selling it. And right now, when you go over there and use the promo code postseason, you're going to show them you listen to the podcast, you're going to show them you're an MLB fan, and you're going to save up to $100 off your tickets. So... If you're gonna go get a go, if you want to buy tickets right now, go use Vivid Seats. With that promo code, you download the app, use that promo code, uh, postseason, and you're gonna save yourself up to 100 bucks on tickets. It's gonna be a better deal than what you could get anywhere else. So, Vivid Seats, postseason, do it for yourself. Do yourself a favor. Our other sponsor is the oldest one, BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the same active has the same active ingredients as the little blue pills we've been hearing about for years and this is your chance to see what the hype's been about um you i'm 38 years old and i feel like since i was a child i've been hearing about these blue pills now you can try it for yourself at home you are going to pay the five bucks for shipping but you just need to go over there and use the promo code mlb remember that's bluechew.com promo code mlb you can see why it is that this has become a name product and see what all the hype is about. So I talked about yesterday, the show ran long. So I have this bit that is going to be cut from yesterday's show and put on here where I'm talking about those last few prospects who are the top ones from Lynchburg. Um, I really talk about my love of Nolan Jones in this piece and why I think he should be considered one of the top 30 prospects in baseball. I compare him to a Hall of Famer. Um, is always something I hate in general. Like, I hate, hate, hate that. Um, the likelihood of any player being a Hall of Famer is so low. Um, and I, I do further talk about in the piece that he's a poor man's version. And that if you get 60% of the Hall of Famer, you've still got a potential all-star every year. And that's more than more likely what he is. But when you're just looking at a comparison in terms of uh, background, tools, and things, there was a player that stood out. So look forward to that at the end of the show. And just to give you a reminder... The, uh, this is going to pick up with me talking about Aaron Pinto, who is the sixth-rated player. Um, and, of course, I will go into that in depth in this previously recorded piece, why I'm really intrigued with Aaron Pinto. So why Aaron Pinto? Aaron Pinto is a name that you likely have not heard, a name that people don't talk about. A player who, you know, between two levels last year, had an ERA of 
uh, I'm sorry, across three levels. His highest ERA was a 1.95. Uh, the year before that, when the Indians drafted him as a senior out of Stony Brook, his um, highest ERA was a 3.72. His career in minor league ERA over two years, which is over 78 games, uh, 127 innings, is 1.74. A walk rate barely over two, a strikeout rate approaching 10. He just he fills the stat box. He's an interesting player from that perspective. He statistically stood out every time I went and looked him up. Stony Brook is not your traditional school to get uh, talent from. 24th round pick, that's awful late. But yeah, he's this senior pitcher who's just been dominant, and I look forward to seeing what he can do next year in AA. And it is just really interesting from the perspective that in that draft, you know, going back and looking at my profile for him from 2018, I was joking that... Uh, well, don't go and look at it because I'm already noticing a spelling error in there that no one caught. But if I wrote, if you guessed he was undersized with a rock rate under three and a strikeout rate over 10, well, you figured out the Indians' approach this year. Uh, he's kept that going. So, again, I'm, I'm very curious to see what he is going to continue to do. There is nothing on him, nothing written up. You go to fan graphs, they don't have anything linked to him. Um, classic overperformer at this point, but... Sometimes those guys just keep overperforming, so let's hope that Pinto can do that. Oscar Gonzalez is fourth on the list. He is so flawed, but it's hard to look past the production. Um, talking about why is he so flawed? Because he walked 3% of the time. 12 walks to 66 strikeouts. It's, it's not a profile that's going to lead to success, but he's pretty much been a player who's been underrated from the moment he signed and continues to perform. Now, once he got up to Akron, it was a really big struggle this year over those 29 games. We'll have to see if that was small sample size or if he was finally exposed. Um, I don't know what to make of him. The walkout rate is... The walkout rate. The walk rate is extremely low. The strikeout rate is not extremely high, though. He's not someone who's just, you know, striking out all the time. He's just a guy who makes a lot of contact in general. It leads to doubles. It leads to home runs. There's some power in there. It's an interesting profile. He's an interesting player. I don't know. I feel like he's either going to be a future starter in the outfield or he's never going to make it to the majors. It's, he's one of those guys that there's very low variances in outcomes because of what he can and can't do. Uh, it's either just going to work. He's going to be one of those guys that just works or is because the eye is good enough and he can just make contact and the hit tool is, is strong or teams will take advantage of it and he's just going to eventually, the strikeout rate will balloon and the contact rates will sink. Cody Morris. So I talked about him a bit yesterday. He stood out um, just what he did over the course of the entire season across two levels. This is a former day two pick out of South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. Um, he was 28th or 32nd rounder out of high school, 7th rounder by the Indians. You, you know, someone's going to look at his ERA and be like, how do you have him third with an ERA? over five and a half. Well, that's because ERA is kind of flawed, and you go and you look at the numbers. The hit rate is high. That's a concern. The home run rate is high. That's a concern. Walk rate at three and a half. Strikeout rate at 11.25. You know, he's six foot five. He did not pitch a ton in college. Uh, he's raw. He's he, he can add muscle. He can add strength. He has a starter's build. He has a strong fastball. He's the type of guy that the Indians can mold, and if they do mold him, I mean, there's a potential three-starter there, which is nothing to scoff at. Um, 
just the numbers this year with the missing bats and not hurting himself with the walk, that's a step in the right direction. And as we saw, the Indians don't care about your home run rates. So let's just get to these last two very quickly. Ty Freeman, uh, when you look at Lynchburg, there was there's not a pitcher who pitched for them this year who's currently under the age of 22. Ty Freeman is currently 20 and will be till March. He was 20 almost the entire season. Young for the level, up the middle hitter who... You know, the numbers aren't spectacular uh, because there wasn't much power in his game, and I don't know if there ever will be. And he doesn't walk a ton, which lowers his on-base, but he's got the high average. We'll have to see how he continues to grow and progress. He needs a little bit more to his game. He can't just be high average and nothing else because eventually that's almost a, more of an Ernie Clement profile, which we talked about is a middle infielder backup type. But at the end of the, I say at the end of the day too much. But what you're looking at with Freeman is a potential shortstop who's 20 years old holding his own in high A. That's the important thing here. That's the takeaway. Um, holding his own at that age, at that level, is a significant indicator of future success. And number one, I mean, do I even need to say it? Nolan Jones. Uh, he's number one in the entire system. Uh, if anyone has Tristan McKenzie ranked over him, immediately stop reading their stuff uh, at this point. If they don't, I can understand on some small level if they have Valera over Jones. I can understand that to a small degree because when you talk about pure ceiling, I get it. But outside of that, Nolan Jones is number one in the system. He should be a top 30 hitting prospect in all of baseball. He walks at a ridiculously high weight, high rate, not high weight. He walks at a ridiculously high rate. He hit for power in a park in AA that is notorious for power suppression. Uh, you know, you hate to put a comp like this on him, but maybe he could be like 75%, 70-60% Jim Tomey. Cringe, cringe, cringe. But you look at that long, athletic, third baseman, high walk rates, high strikeout rates, big-time power potential. I hate comps like this. I hate comping. So that's why I'm not saying he's going to be a major leaguer. I'm not saying he's Jim Tomey. I'm saying physically and what he does reminds me of Tomey's game. I'm not going to say that he's ever going to even hit 40 home runs. That's that's not the point here. The point is, I think he could be three quarters of that. And three quarters of Jim Tomey is still a potential all-star every season. Um, Jim Tomey is right now, you know, one of the top five, top ten power hitters in the history of the game. So if you can get three quarters of that, if you can get 60% of that, you still have a starter. And that's what I'm saying he is. He's a Yes, the high-end ceiling, who knows what he can be. But I'm saying your most likely comp situation of him turning out is uh, poor man's Jim Tomey. Again, I still I hate even saying it. I, I hate when people comp to major leaguers. But age relative to level, the power production, the walk rates. Uh, offensively, it's the full bag. And he comes with those defensive questions at third base that might prompt him to move to first uh, long-term, making that comp all the more... Uh, perfect in a lot of ways but again no one should ever be a hundred percent comp to a to a hall of famer um you know it's like i would say at peak the michael brantley was the poor man's mike trout um and i thought that was fair because even though mike trout is the greatest player i've ever seen play at that time brantley was as close as you could get to him he was still like half as high in his war as trouts but that was still as close as you got and so when i do this comp and as you can tell, it really pains me. It makes sense. 
like I said, profile, size, power, questionable third baseman, might move to first base, walk rate, strikeout rate, lower contact rates. Uh, that's, you know, maybe maybe a better comp. We can come back. He might be somewhere between Jim Tomey and Russell Brannion. How does that sound? Something in there like that? You know, Brannion was one of those guys who, nowadays, he would be... Uh, He'd be in the get a long. He's one of those guys who played in the wrong era uh, because of his extremely high walk rates and power potential. It'd be much more valued now than it was when he played. You know, it's it's the Branyans, the Randy Milligans, the Jack Custs. I've I've made whole lists about uh, the guys who were in the wrong era. So that's where I'm going with Nolan Jones. Um, still, still nervous about that in there, but be excited for him. He is a really good prospect, the best hitting prospect to come up through the Indian system since Lindor. Um, in terms of power hitting, he's the best power hitting prospect to come up because Lindor was not viewed as a power hitting prospect. Um, gosh. Like part of me wants to say Matt Laporta and scare people off just to counter my other comp, but it, it's been a while since the Indians had someone who they drafted and developed who had this much power potential at this age. Enjoy him. Nolan Jones, number one here, number one overall, number one in our hearts. Thank you for listening. I know it's been a long one. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, go Tribe.